Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the episode five of the Stain Sports Podcast. This is Sean Kernahan, joined as always with Torsten Sporn. How's it going tonight, Torsten? Good evening, good evening. I'm doing all right, and yourself? I'm doing all right, but I uh, ha- the, the day was not so happy today. And uh, today we will talk about the NFC. I'm sorry, the NFL divisional weekend. And I figured the best place to start is with the, the Sunday's game between the Packers and the Cowboys, and the overturned call on fourth and two uh, with four minutes to go in the game as Des Bryant uh, looked to have caught the ball, stretched out for, towards the goal line. The ball comes loose as he's rolling over after he goes to the ground. And eventually that call is overturned, essentially giving the Packers the victory there. Uh, how, what did you see there, and how did you feel about that call? Well, I mean, the call, I guess, uh, in my opinion, the call was correct, but I think the rule is what sucks. You know, the, we've obviously seen it before. Uh, it, it was the Detroit Lions tweeted uh, that they – you know, that they know how uh, the Dallas Cowboys feel based on the Calvin Johnson uh, non-catch against Chicago a few years ago. And, you know, there was another play, uh, obviously not as consequential as this, but it involved uh, the Houston Texans' Arian Foster making a touchdown catch in the end zone or what appeared to be a catch, and it looked like he got something like 27 feet, three butt cheeks and an elbow down, and then the ball came out but because there wasn't a football move, quote-unquote, that was ruled incomplete, and that cost me a fantasy football matchup. So, you know, uh, I <laughs> I think that this is going to be something that gets discussed at the uh, off-season meetings in spring when the uh, competition uh, committee gets together because everything everything is always two feet. You have to have two feet inbound, you get two feet down, or a foot in a hand, and it, it you know, it determines everything, and if uh, if that is not a uh, if it's not a reception, let, let's say uh, he'd already caught the ball and was running, he would be down by contact. Uh, if he was already running with the ball, that would not have been a fumble. So down by contact would assume that he had possession of the ball. So he had possession of the ball after receiving it, and because of a poorly written rule that talks about something nebulous out there like the process, quote unquote, the process of making a catch and then performing an action that's commonly seen in football. You know, I think that they turned a very grassroots, bare-bones, tough game into something a little too scientific. And, you know, they're overanalyzing things with this rule. It was called correctly uh, upon review by the officiating crew, so you have to give them credit for getting the call right based on the rule. But much like the tuck and a lot of other things that we've seen in the past, this is going to be something that has to get changed, and I think they're going to get it right this spring when the competition committee meets. You briefly touched on that at the end, and it screams tuck rule to me. Uh, I agree. They got the call right, but the rule is terrible. It is uh, not written well, and it is pretty much the tuck rule um, 2.0. It, it is that kind of thing where everybody knew it was a catch, just as everybody knew Tom Brady was not throwing that pass, but the way the the rule is written, the call ended up being right by the letter of the law. Um, you know, Calvin, it, it has been known as the Calvin Johnson rule. I saw the tweet you're talking about uh, from the Detroit Lions. 
I also, my favorite tweet that I saw on this was something to the effect of, I don't remember who it was that tweeted this out, but something to the effect of, you know, guy catches ball, guy carries ball until he's 98 years old, guy kills it over and dies, guy drops ball, referee calls incomplete pass. <laughs> well, the question is, you know, uh, in the process of uh, being 27 through 98, did he make a football-related move once he had the ball? See, yeah, exactly. And, you know, what defines a football-related move? Because if he's hit anywhere, you know, outside of a two-inch spot on the body, that's not a football-related hit. You know, that's illegal. So the, the, the football-related move is pretty tough to make the call on that. Um now, in the, in the game after that, the Broncos and the Colts, um, I'm drawing a blank on who the CBS uh, rules guy is. Mike Carey? I believe um, it's Mike Carey that comes it, in. It could be Carey. Yeah, I know that the, Mike Pereira. Right. It's whoever it is. It is. Um, when Josh Cribbs was ended up getting hit on a punt return, and and he lost the ball, and it was a fumble on the field overturned to uh, down by contact. They essentially said it's the same rule as the catch, um, you're going to the ground. So, and it was a very similar scenario where when he hit the ground, he had possession, but going through the ground, he lost it. So, they got the call right by the letter of the law in that Cowboys game, but the rule is not is not consistently called throughout uh, the league and from game to game. It's not consistently called, and it's a rule that really needs to be looked at by the NFL uh, competition committee. I think they're going to do that. They have to because, you know, games shouldn't come down to things like this. They – they, it, it should be whichever team made the plays at the end. And, you know, there's nothing to say that the Packers wouldn't have driven down the field and kicked a game-winning field goal or uh, scored a touchdown. But, that's, that's but that's I, make statement that allow that to be the reason why. It'll make them exactly. go back down the field. Exactly. Make Aaron Rodgers do his Aaron Rodgers stuff and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb do their things. And apparently today was Devontae Adams. But, you know, just don't don't – have it come down to a terrible rule, and that's exactly what happened. And I don't have any kind of allegiance to the Cowboys uh, one way or the other. I'm not a hater. I'm not a lover. But, you know, I, I'm a sympathizer at this point. And Odell Beckham tweeted out, too. He, he said, uh, by no means am I do I cheer for the Cowboys, but how was that not a catch? And I kind of... I kind of see what uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is saying there because that's, you know, it doesn't really matter where your allegiances are unless you're really some obtuse smack talker on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and you want to get a rise out of your friends. Everybody knows that Des Bryant caught that ball and uh, the rule is the culprit. Absolutely. Now, in the end, that can be the big talking point, but the Packers did win 26-21. Uh, they will be facing the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game as uh, the Seahawks knock off the Panthers 31-17. Um, I, Aaron Rodgers did not look healthy. But you, saw, you saw him hobbling up and down the field quite a bit, and that is going to be something to really watch as he faces that Seahawks defense. Uh, and a guy by the name of Cam Chancellor, who absolutely was incredible on the Saturday night, 
not only with big hits and big plays, but I have never seen somebody time field goal attempts as well as he did at the end of that first half, leaping over the line twice. Once uh, there was a uh, false start by the offense, the second time somehow he did not get a hold of the ball that was kicked just past him, um, and then he ran into the kicker before the uh, before the Panthers finally were able to drill and put one through the uprights on the third attempt of a an extra of a field goal. Or it was definitely to me it was one of the more entertaining parts of a rather boring football game. Oh, for sure. And Cam Chancellor made a great play, but he wasn't the first one to do it, at least not this season. Uh, the Rams' Darren Bates special team standout blocked the New York Giants field goal in Week 16 uh, with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, it ended up having absolutely no bearing on the outcome of the game, but uh, it was quite a spectacular play. Cam Chancellor is one but of the best regardless of position. No, oh, yeah, that's never happened. But, you know, Cam Chancellor is one of the best players in the league, uh, irrespective of what position he plays. He's going to make good plays, and uh, that was uh, that was a spectacular one. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers, you know, I uh, I tweeted this out from the stain earlier. Uh, people have apparently forgotten about Byron Leftwich and what he did for Marshall uh, in the college football. Uh, I guess it was a bowl game. I don't even remember because it was so long ago. But his offensive linemen were carrying him. Championship game. Yeah, right. So his uh, offensive linemen were carrying him down the field between plays. And I think, you know, and far be it for me to ever accuse anybody of faking anything, but I think that Rodgers was playing up the injury a little bit because when all of a sudden it came down to crunch time, you know, late in the second half and then the fourth quarter, he was dancing around the pocket pretty good. And I don't care what anybody says, nothing loosened up in Green Bay, Wisconsin in minus 20-degree temperatures, okay? You, you You don't go out there and hobble around like you're a pirate with a peg leg for the first half and then come out and all of a sudden you're Mikhail Baryshnikov in the second Things, you know, the human body doesn't work that way. Injuries are injuries, and they don't get progressively better as you play. They continue to deteriorate. So I think that, you know, uh, it was probably being milked a little bit. The announcers mentioning it every 15 seconds how he didn't look comfortable in the pocket, how he should be taking off and running if he was healthy, but he's not. Well, you know, he looked mobile enough in the fourth quarter. He created extra time for himself in the pocket. I think the injury is going to be a non-factor. And uh, what is going to be a factor is, uh, you know, the Green Bay explosive offense against football's best defense. Absolutely. But another underrated matchup is going to be Russell Wilson and his uh, legs and obviously Marshawn Lynch. Could he turn in, turn beast mode in after uh, DeMarco Murray uh, tore apart the Packers defense a bit today? Marshawn Lynch did not run so well against a very good Carolina Panthers defense. So what he can do against Green Bay might be a very big big uh, impact on that. And it might be you know, the best quarterback. There's, there's going to be some fantastic quarterback play next weekend. And Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Russell Wilson is, is, is turning into it. If he's not already, he's really turning into a superstar. You know, uh, I I'll tell you what I you know I I had a pretty good idea not when they drafted him I, I thought Matt Flynn was going to be the quarterback there, but uh, about midway through last season it became pretty evident that Russell Wilson was one of the emerging stars in the NFL at the quarterback position and his performance against Carolina was spectacular. That is not a chump defense there, you know, and I'm not just talking 
you know, Luke Keekley that they're they're you know one through eleven on defense. They're they're rock solid. Uh, their regular season play backs that up. And uh, Russell Wilson took him apart, and he took him apart without the benefit and no disrespect to guys like Doug Baldwin and Luke Wilson and Paul Richardson, who unfortunately appears to have torn his ACL. But those guys are not a star receiving core. We're not talking about Demarius Thomas and Julius Thomas and, and Emmanuel Sanders. We're talking about a, a workmanlike crew, and that's what Russell Wilson is working and excelling with. Yes, and you mentioned the Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, and crew. Uh, let's turn to the AFC, where the former Colts superstar quarterback Peyton Manning's career may have come to an end at the hands of current Colts superstar Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think we've done this song and dance before. Uh, you know, Man- Manning's going to be back. There's uh, this 99.9%, I guess, you know, it's it's one of those things, everything feels bad after a loss, especially, you know, they lost the Super Bowl last year, and, and they're just a couple of games away this year, and they took a beating, and he played poorly against a defense that, let's just be honest, is not among the league's best. You would have figured that Peyton would have been able to kind of take apart the Colts secondary. You know, maybe they didn't lean on C.J. Anderson enough, but, you know, he didn't play well. Um, They drew up a pretty good defensive scheme to force him into situations that he's not, you know, at this stage of his career. He doesn't throw outside the hashes that well. So, you know, uh, I think he's just bitter and sad and disappointed and understandably so, but he's going to be back, and that's, that's pretty much 100%. If uh, if he doesn't make the decision on his own, uh, I think that the coaching staff and you know Demarius Thomas will re-sign for a discount. Yeah, you know, they've they've got a blueprint there, and I think they're going to take one more run at a Super Bowl next year. Yeah, I I agree with you. He should be back next year. But seeing him down the stretch and in this game, there are real concerns about uh, the how good Peyton Manning is moving forward just with that arm strength. The the ball has not looked good for some time. But that being said, even back when he was with the Colts and before he ever had a neck injury, Peyton Manning never threw a pretty football. Uh, He just put it where it needed to be. So while people point to these dying ducks that he throws throws out there, he's always had that ugly-looking football that just gets to where it needs to be and he puts up the numbers when he needs to. He just wasn't able to put up those numbers here at the end of this year. But Andrew Luck has turned into an absolute superstar. And there were a couple of throws he made against uh, the Bengals last week where it was simply I, I saw a couple of passes and I knew the winner of that game without having to watch the whole thing just because the difference in quarterback was so blatantly obvious. And, you know, if you were to look and say, you know, who's a – coming off of a MVP season and who's uh, just a few years into his NFL career, you would have guessed opposite sides just looking at the the way they played. Andrew Luck is an absolute superstar in this league. Oh, for sure. Um, You know, apart from that complete clunker he had against Dallas a few weeks back where they benched him at halftime, uh, he's been pretty spectacular all season long. He still makes the occasional boneheaded throw, but, um, you know, he's he's looked every bit uh, the guy that's going to justify being the first overall draft pick. 
And, uh, you know, as a Rams fan, we who uh, spent a number one overall draft pick on a quarterback that hasn't really turned out that great, uh, that's uh, that's something that the Colts can hang their hat on. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that they could uh, they could do something with a little bit better of a defense. I just, I'm surprised they won today, and I'll be surprised if they win next week. Yeah, their defense is certainly uh, not the best in the NFL, to say the least. And they, you know, Trent Richardson has disappeared, and they give up a first-round pick for him. They end up going with Boom Heron. And uh, I'm going to blank on that other the other running back they have. That, I mean, that's how far down the depth of running backs they've gone. Uh, they're pulling out guys that you haven't seen. There was a rookie from Central Michigan. They don't have a running game. They've got some excellent wide receivers, but their offensive line is suspect. Their defense isn't all that great. Uh, Vontae Davis got banged up in the game, but they, he was able to come back and still make some plays. That team just isn't – what you're looking is not the team, the complete team you would expect to be in the AFC Championship game, where they're going to have to go into Gillette Stadium in New England, face Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who, and the rest of the New England Patriots, who knocked off the Baltimore Ravens in another absolutely fantastic football game between the Ravens and the Patriots. And the 26th, I'm sorry, it was. Um, 35-31, but it was Ravens took a 14 nothing lead, then it was tied up 14-14, then a 28-14 lead, and then the Patriots came back, overcoming 14-point deficits twice. Uh, Joe Flacco turned it on yet again in the playoffs. He looked pretty good, but did make a couple of mistakes. Another fantastic game between the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, my favorite play from that game was uh, the trick play where Julian Edelman hit Danny Amendola down the left sideline. I'm wondering, and now everybody everybody who is a football fan at all, to any degree, knows that Julian Edelman was a college quarterback and uh, you know have, has the capability of throwing a pass and a pretty accurate one. But, man, he put a bullet on Amendola and hit him on the dead run. I, I cannot imagine in any way, shape, or form that Belichick and Josh McDaniels were in any way, shape, or form surprised by that. How long do you think that they had that play in reserve? That was the first attempt he has, he has thrown in the NFL, and I wouldn't be surprised if that is something they drew up when, I, when McDaniels was the offensive coordinator the first time around. And I don't even know for sure that Edelman was on the team yet. That's the type of thing. I mean, they've had that around waiting for that right moment. And a playoff game against Baltimore, who have played them, beat them the last two times, played them great the last three times, you, know, they, you just knew that they were, they kind of looked at each other and smirked and said, finally, we needed that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was. I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, it's it's one it's one of those plays that's going to work once. You know, like you can't you can't do that three or four times a game. Uh, you have to do that, you know, once in a season or maybe once every two seasons. But you know, that there was never a better time to do it. And obviously, it's easy to say that because it worked. But I mean, it was uh, that was some gutsy play calling and spectacular execution by Brady, by Edelman, and by Amendola. And it was an absolutely perfect spiral. Perfect. A lot, you know, perfect uh, trajectory. It landed right in his hands on the dead run. It was a perfect pass. 
you know, yes, he was a college quarterback, but he's playing wide receiver for a reason. Um, and then, you know, he saw the celebration. He didn't even warm up his arm until after the throw. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, it's the that's the second best throw I've ever seen uh, in a game by a wide receiver. The first one was Randy Moss throwing on the run and hitting Chris Carter on the numbers. And this is when they were both on the Vikings. So it was like 2000 or something. That was a million years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, he took some kind of end-around sweep and on the dead run fired a 40-yard, you know, on-the-fly strike to Chris Carter. And that kind of caught everybody off guard too. But, you know, that was then and this is now. That was, that's the play of the postseason so far for me. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Now let's do a little bit of forecasting. I think we're both uh, in agreement that the Patriots should probably blow out the Colts uh, next weekend in Gillette. Who will the Patriots be facing in Arizona on the 1st of February? Well, I uh, I will say this. I think that the Patriots are going to win. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think that maybe they'll win by 10. But uh, I uh, I don't see anybody going into Seattle and winning. That's such a – and, I, you know, if if one of the league's better defenses in Carolina couldn't slow down Marshawn Lynch, oh, they slowed him down, but couldn't slow down Russell Wilson and company, I just don't see the Green Bay defense doing it. You know, they've got a couple of good players there in Clay Matthews. And, but, you know, they're just – they're going to outgun people. And you don't go into see you don't go into Seattle and try to outgun people. I think that Seattle wins a fairly well played and closely contested game, you know, somewhere you know twenty four to twenty, somewhere in that range. And I think that they're going to be taking on the Pats. Yeah, you see, the NFL couldn't have written the script any better. The NFL season started this year with the Green Bay Packers in Seattle getting absolutely blown out. And now they get a chance to come back and you can write the redemption uh, articles and, and, and essays and you can write the, you know, the from start to finish dominance of Seattle if they're able to, to roll over the, the Packers. Uh, it's, it's what the NFL would love to see just from a storyline perspective. But I agree with you. The, the Panthers can't slow down that team. Uh, nobody can. I... Don't see the, the, you know, the Packers scoring enough in that stadium to knock off the Seahawks, especially after the Seahawks absolutely throttled them opening up the year. Uh, it's going to be a much closer game than that, uh, that uh, season opener, but I do see the Seahawks taking on his former NFL team, the, the, you know, as he was a coach before Bill Belichick in New England. I see uh, them facing off here in the Super Bowl in just a few weeks, but we'll certainly see come next Sunday. Now, a championship will be decided, and that will be decided on tomorrow night as we're recording this here on Sunday night. It is the NCAA championship game in Dallas and uh, Cowboys Stadium. We both picked uh, before the Final Four game. We picked Alabama over Oregon. Well, Alabama didn't make it. How do you feel about Ohio State taking on Oregon tomorrow night? Uh, gosh, um, I mean, you know, I think that I think that the team, especially when it, especially in college, because it's a little, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a different game, and one outstanding 
player can make more of a difference. And I think that the team that has Marcus Mariota is going to, is, is going to win. Um, there's been a wrench thrown into the gears here because uh, I believe uh, Carrington, the number two wide receiver in Oregon, is not going to be eligible to play. I don't know how that's going to affect. Uh, I'm sorry. He failed the drug test, I believe, heading into it, and he yeah. didn't even make the trip. Yeah, that's uh, and you know, talk about one of your all-time boneheaded moves. Because how often are you going to have a chance to play for something of this magnitude in your life, and you decide to? partake in some recreational activity that the NCAA frowns upon. But, um, you know, I just – I think that Oregon's offense is pretty much plug-and-play. So uh, they've probably got plenty of guys that can slot in there and uh, and take over that role that Carrington was going to play. Um, I, you know, obviously I didn't think that Ohio State was going to be the opponent here, and uh, I'm never going to be one to underestimate Urban Meyer. And apparently I shouldn't be one to underestimate Cardale Jones either, but – you know, I still think that Oregon's got the best player and uh, the best offensive scheme, and I think that they're going to uh, be victorious in this one. I think they're going to score another 50-plus points. Yeah, Oregon, I, I agree with you. The, the, the team I will be uh, – I, I would be betting on um, if I was in Vegas, and apparently that is on pace to be the most highly bet uh, NCAA football game of all time. Uh, Oregon is, to me, a significantly better team. If Ohio State is to make a run and stay competitive and have a shot at winning, Ezekiel Elliott's going to have to run for about 250 yards and really take control of that game for Ohio State from the running back position. Um, but in the end, uh, Cardell Jones, as well as he's done coming in, he's not Marcus Mariota. And nobody is. Um, I mean, even facing a, a guy like Jameis Winston, they can, with a defense, a Florida State defense that was loaded with future NFL players, Oregon was able to put up an absolute ton of points. It, it's, you know, you never, underest, never underestimate Urban Meyer and what he can put put together. But I think this is the, the time that the Pac-12 finally breaks out of their slump of national of lack of national championships and Oregon finally uh, puts one up there, and I, I don't see this one being all that close. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Um, if uh, if there's something that Ohio State can do, and, I mean, it's such an obvious blueprint to beating uh, Oregon, but nobody's been able to do it, and I don't, you know, well, I shouldn't say nobody, Arizona did it, but, you know, it's uh, they can't score with that explosive offense if they don't have the ball, so Ohio State's going to have to figure out a way to slow the game down you know, like you said, establish the run game with Ezekiel Elliott or whomever it's going to be that's going to tote the rock and just kind of control the clock. You know, Oregon's going to get their points, but, you know, you can't go three and out. You can't give them good field position. You have to make them work for things. And uh, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, it's Oregon could run away with this, you know, three scores, four scores perhaps at the end. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of TVs will be uh, turned to something else at some point in that second half. With that, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping here. And, and uh, I have looked at the numbers. Believe it or not, we have people listening. So if you are listening, please go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. Uh, if you want to interact with Torsten, he runs the Twitter account for The Stain Sports. You can find him at The Stain Sports. 
You can find me at Sean Kernahan, S-H-A-U-N-K-E-R-N-A-H-A-N. And we do have an email address if anybody wants to email in and asking us questions. We'd be more than happy to answer any questions. It is thestainsports at gmail.com. With that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. Torsten, thank you for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks for having me again, and I look forward to the next one. All righty. Thank you all for listening, and have a great night. Good night.